0: Welcome to Mormonish, everybody. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And we have an absolutely amazing guest today. We have writer-director Brent Bockevoy with us in the house. How are you today, Brent?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: That's right. We need to applaud. Uh, this is a whirlwind weekend for Brent because it was the world premiere of his amazing film, Ronald's Little Factory. And this is why we're having him on to talk about this. Um I'm going to start by just reading his bio very quickly, and then we're going to jump right in because I got to attend this premiere and I have a lot of thoughts about it. I don't even know if we're going to let the guests talk. We may not because we're
1: just... Sounds good to me.
0: <laughs> I'm, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So let me just introduce Brent really quick. Uh, Brent Boccavoy is an award-winning filmmaker from San Diego, California. His short films have won or been nominated for awards from the Eli Roth's Halloween Horror Nights with Universal Studios, the Rumored Magazine, and the San Diego Film Awards. He just completed his first feature film the dark comedy ronald's little factory brent is currently preparing to take his feature film on a limited theatrical tour across the u.s welcome brent
1: thank you
2: (laughs) what a great name for a film too you know uh anyone who's familiar with boyd k packer's little factory talk it just screams come see me (laughs) ex-mormons
1: yeah
0: it absolutely does. So why, do, why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit about you and uh, sort of your background, and then we'll delve into how this project even started.
1: Sure. Um, so I was raised in the church, in the LDS church, and I was the perfect Mormon boy. I went on a mission to Seattle and had a great time, and uh, about a year later, I was at the temple and I was never, even though I I love the church, I was never a big fan of the temple. I always felt uncomfortable there. But one time I was in the the temple and my, really my turning point was that a day, year after my mission, I was in the celestial room and for some reason, just the most random thought came to me that like, so I was looking at, of course um, everyone dressed in their, you know, their unique clothing and, you know, being inside this, you know, $100 million place in San Diego and this and underneath, you know, a chandelier that's probably hundreds of thousand dollars. So this is so, uh, I and I even in my mind, I use the word, just, this is so gaudy for some reason right now. Like I just feel, I feel more at peace and closer to God being out in the mountains than right here. And, and like, I was blown away just having that thought because that was really the first time in, my mind, I ever thought of something that went against the LDS church. And I, so I really pondered that for a long time. And then I started thinking if that, if I think if that enters into my mind and like, I, I feel, you know, that's against the, the traditional church teachings, how many other things, um, if I really start pondering what they go against the church teaching. So I spent about a year of my life deciding to, read about the church, other churches, other religions. And I just came to the conclusion that it's not what the ch- LDS church is not what I originally thought it was. So I left, you know, just two years after my mission. So I've been out um, almost 20 years. Wow.
0: So not godly, but godly is yeah, what you arrived at. Exactly. And that was the first. It's amazing how different little thoughts like that for different people, what it what it takes. It's usually it is a little moment like that where you just go interesting there's kind of like a break in your cognitive dissonance and that kind of opens the door so and you were i think your brother david said you were the first one in your family like no so that must have been uh a little shocking to them maybe disturbing how did they treat you you seem like a very close family at the premiere a lot of your family was there got to kind of see the interaction everybody was so supportive of the film so i wonder what was it like early on when you were the first one to say nope i'm opting out (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, it was super disturbing. It was disturbing for me. I yeah. I was not happy because it felt like it felt like you know the rug was pulled underneath my yeah. feet, and so it was, it was it was really not a fun time. And and I am also envious of people that have left in the last few years because there's such a great you know community online, yeah. and so many post Mormons.
0: Yeah,
1: I didn't have any of that uh, 20 years ago. I didn't know any. I literally did not have one friend that had left or family member that I could talk to. So it was not fun 20 years ago, but what I always tell people that have left recently and don't have many family or friends that have left, I say that I did, I did not have anyone, but at the time, you know, my three best friends and my two brothers, some of the closest people I were. So those five people have all left since then. So um, it does get better and people leaving all the time and it's it's a great community out there
0: so you were like a pioneer kind of and that's wonderful that your family they might not have understood but you know they still loved you you can tell so what they were saying
1: my yeah my so my parents and my sister's family are still very active um so yeah they're the they're but actually they're my parents have been really surprisingly um not really surprisingly but i'm just i'm proud of them for being, you know, being supportive of me. And of course, I'm not going to show them. And I try to be respectful on like sharing it with, with them. But, um, they asked me about it and they're, they're happy that, that, uh, I made it and well, not necessarily that film, but they're happy that I'm getting it out there and just they want to see me succeed. So right. I, I was going saying- to ask
2: that because how, how do you go from, you know, leaving the church is one thing. Making a film called Ronald's Little Factory about uh, Boyd K. Talker's back of a, a feature length film about that it, it is a whole nother. How how did you get from point A to point B? Obviously, uh, you know, with your awards and stuff, you were involved with films. How, how did you get into doing films and what led you back to this path 20 years later?
1: So how I first started, actually, I um, so about five years ago, um, I wrote. A, um, I, I wrote a short screenplay with my friend uh, Ryan Williamson. He's one of my best friends from high school. He's one of the people that I told I said that was he was very active when I left, and he was he was not very happy that I left. He was very sad, but then he ended up leaving about ten years ago. And so we wrote a, a s- script about ten uh, about five years ago, and it was actually based on Joseph Smith and and the Helen Mar Kimball story. And um and it was a serious, it was a drama, but it was a short story. I still would like to make it, and uh, we were we were pretty proud of the script. And actually, we were talking At the time my friend said, "Hey, I, I like where well, this is the really cool script. I think we could write um really any type of screenplay together." And then I and then he said, "I don't know if we could do a comedy." And then I said, "Oh, we could definitely do a dark comedy." And then he said, "What do you mean a dark comedy?" And then I just threw out, I just threw this out randomly. I said, uh, dark comedy meaning like maybe picture someone that is like trying uh that's really tempted to to masturbate but he ends up cutting off his hands and uh like that's a dark comedy and then yeah. and then my buddy said oh you could, then we could bring up boy k packers talking that and then oh. and then that's when the light bulb hit off or hit went off and then I said oh that is so brilliant i'm going to write like a three page screenplay on that so i wrote a short story from that and then uh, I never made the short story, but I started thinking about that three-page short story, and then I decided to turn that into a full feature and uh, full eighty-five-page screenplay that I shot entirely in my own bedroom.
2: And, <laughs> and this is your first. This is your first full-length feature film, then uh, completely done by you.
1: Yeah, I've, I've been trying to make a feature film forever, but of course, they all make even the low-budget ones take you know some type of money and so that's really what led me to this i said su- i came to the conclusion i just gotta stop ac- asking for permission and just do whatever i you know i already already have access to so i just i shot it the whole thing in my bedroom and uh yeah so it was based off of my life being a mormon so yeah
0: So tell us about your process of um, I thought that all the actors must have been LDS, but now I'm learning not true. Tell us about how you selected the the actors. They were just wonderful. And also, what the heck did they think was happening?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with all of them. Yeah, they did a great job. Um, I just put up. um, Well, I knew I knew a couple, but I put up ads. Um, online and I auditioned um online actors, and then I so I originally um about three years ago I did just a um a proof of concept with the Ronald actor, um, the mom, and a different release society president. And uh, they so it was just like a three minute proof of concept, and then use that to raise just a tiny bit of money, and then End up making the feature with the with the same mom, Ronald actor, and then a different Lee society president. So yeah, and then so for all the other ones I just auditioned and found them online.
0: And there they were. Yeah, well, Landon, and, and you, no, you do have to see it. It's it's just they're just so spot on. I mean, well, they I got to really... think they
2: were just like taken back, like wh- what kind of people do this, or you know, what what was their reaction to the culture? You know, did they? Did they have other LDS people they knew, and they were going, oh, or were they just completely like explain this to me? Or what was their thought as they're
1: trying to portray that? Yeah, most of them were pretty blown away, like thinking this is this is what real- Mormons really believe. Are you serious? And or used to believe, or taught, and like yeah. So I I think most of them were pretty blown away and had no idea about the teachings of of the church. Uh, one of my one of my buddies, he's actually. In the film he's from idaho um he's was never raised he wasn't raised lds but he um he's the one that he's he's brother wood and he sings to ronald and uh so i knew him beforehand but he put up actually a picture um of him holding the, the hymn book the you know the traditional green hymn book that we all know and like singing uh from the, the scene and of course several of his idaho mormon buddies commented that they thought it looked pretty disrespectful of him to do that. And uh, I actually felt kind of bad for him because he's a really people, well, like he's an amazing guy and he doesn't want to offend anyone, but he told them that he wasn't trying to be dis- disrespectful. And the filmmaker, me, was not trying to be mean or disrespectful at all. It's just, it was based on, inspired by my life
0: right it's shining a spotlight on things that exist i mean that's i thought it was interesting the, there was a q and a landon after the premiere and somebody said i'm a never mormon um like these things are exaggerations right this is just kind of a dark comedy right and you could hear people at least around me going nope You know if you're raised in the church in a certain era the things that are have a spotlight shown on them in this movie that may be very disturbing are are just the things that routinely happened to us or that we went through or teachings um that were kind of hammered at us this was real um, for people growing up in a certain era so yeah it's i i think when you i wonder what do you think will happen when you take this you know like outside of utah and you just show it to more of a secular audience i I I'm trying to imagine what someone would think.
1: I uh, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm really curious too. I'm I am i I'll know I, I take it to San Diego next Thursday and i it'll probably be half mixed of of uh former Mormons and never Mormons. So that it'll be interesting to see some of their uh their uh, takes on it.
0: Yeah. So So for people in the Mormonish audience that may not understand um, even what the title, Ronald's Little Factory, means, maybe you can kind of explain briefly um, what is this talk from an LDS church leader that that the entire thing was based on?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so in 1976, um, the apostle uh, Boyd K. Packer gave a talk, and the official talk is for young men only. And it's about a 15-minute talk I think you can still find on YouTube and uh, the entire talk is a anti-masturbation talk and so i supposedly it's so the church took it took down the video on the general conference uh, on their on their website and supposedly it's the only video that they've ever taken down from general conference they, they did that about four or five years ago which is obviously understandable why they did that but so it's you you can watch the whole Talk, I think you still can on YouTube, and most of it is hilarious and so outdated. But and there's a couple parts, especially near the end, where it's a gut punch. Um, when he starts to, yeah, it's it's it, be, it turns into something really disturbing, and that's really what the film is inspired by. Like, there's a lot of funny moments, but there's some, and especially near the end, there's some gut punches that uh was inspired by that.
2: I, I understand you talk. play that talk several times during the movie, is, is
1: that yeah. correct? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, very effective, of it times.
0: very effective the way it's done, yeah, it absolutely is. So no, the, you know, and that's the thing, it's it's dark, it's funny, it's a comedy, but by the end there's there's a scene that just represents how completely beaten down emotionally, intellectually, sexually that you are having gone through a high demand, high control situation as a youth. You know, there's the scene where Ronald is just on the bed and he's just, everything's been thrown at him, <laughs> including the kitchen sink. And he's just laying there, you know, completely traumatized. And I actually cheered up a little bit about that because I have my own experience with invasive Bishop interviews and inappropriate comments made to me and, you know, getting in trouble for nothing except for going through puberty. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I can't help this, you know, things like that. A lot of people did in high demand religions. I don't think it is just the LDS culture, but that scene where Ronald was just laying there overwhelmed. I just saw that, you know, I did. I teared up a little bit because I felt like it really represented what a lot of us internally you know, the scars are what we've gone through. So, but yeah, and that's, what I think I, I wrote a review and I described it as, you know, dark, poignant, triumphant. I mean, I had just all those different elements to it, which were, which were wonderful. And so maybe talk a little bit, I would say the whole point is that poor Ronald, you know, he, he wants to remain pure. And so he takes some other advice from another piece of literature that's out there on the LDS landscape. And it's called Um, Is it called Steps to Avoid Masturbate? It's something like that. It's a pamphlet by Apostle Mark E. Peterson, where he writes step after step, one, two, three, four, five, of absolutely ridiculous, horrendous advice on how you can stop yourself um, from engaging in this horrifying activity. And one of the main things is if you're really overwhelmed at night, tie your hand, I think it says in extreme cases, tie your hand to the bed frame. And so this is the advice that Ronald took. So maybe talk a little bit how you about how you incorporated this pamphlet. I, I know some people probably don't even think it's real, <laughs> but it is. You can look it up online. It's by Marky e. Peterson and it's called Steps to Overcome Masturbation. I think. Talk a little bit about that. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, that and that pamphlet that may or may not exist but i mean there's definitely the talk or whatever it is you can see online and i think it's about 28 steps isn't it it's just yeah
0: that's what i mean it's step after step after step yep
1: and so crazy crazy each step is just there's so many crazy so i i bring up two steps in the the film the first one is um yeah and the real pamphlet or the real talk whatever it is um, from marky peterson he says that if you might if you're tempted you you might need to think of yourself lying in a bathtub full of worms and even eating them in the process <laughs> so there's a there's a little scene of of ronald uh, and and worms and then the next part which is really the, the whole film is inspired by this part is is, is was you're saying is as in in extreme cases you might have to tie your hand to the bed at night to keep yourself from masturbating. So that's what Ronald ends up yeah. handcuffing his hand to his bedposts because of that, you know, pamphlet.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and everything's rooted in reality. That's what I, I don't know if a lot of the viewers will understand. And I've been reading that pamphlet recently because um, the amazing RFM and I are writing a song together. Um, we just felt this pamphlet needed to be put to music. And so he suggested, well, why don't we use the 50 ways to use your lover theme song, right? And there's so many, you know, like keep it in your pants, Lance, don't get a snack, Mac. I mean, there's just all this advice, go oh, eat a brilliant. worm, herm, you know, you know, keep the pajamas tight, Dwight. I mean, we're just, it's just Just ridiculous advice. Uh, When are you releasing that? I
1: need, I need, I should put that in the end credits.
0: I know. I feel like that. We need to finish it. We're on the last stanza, but there's just so much in there. And the advice, you know, don't eat spicy food, dude. I mean, that's one of them. You know, and again, we're making light of it, of course. But you know that somewhere out there, young men read this and, and oh, when, keep, the sh- keep the shower, oh, take short showers, you know, keep the bathroom door open a crack, Mac, in our song, right? No privacy, no nothing. You just have got to not engage in these activities. So it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> and I think that's what Ronald's Little Factory really accomplishes. And then you also bring in some other, you sort of spotlight some other unusual teachings, um, of the day with some of the people that you bring in. Um, and I can see how faithful Mormons might have a problem with that. You know, they might say, Oh, why are you bringing this up? But again, if you were raised in a certain era, these were all things that were facts to you and that you were taught, you know, it isn't anything that's being, you know, exaggerated or anything. So why don't you talk about some of the other people? The concept of the film is that he's trapped, Ronald, and then people come in from the war. The, the mother brings people in to help him and they each have kind of a different take on you know how to help him and what what they need to do. So talk about how you develop some of these other um, little scenes with the people coming in to talk to Ronald.
1: Yeah, so after the mom sees him, um, she, she ends up um, they, they end up they end up losing the keys and so she ends up calling. The first person of course the release society president who comes in and she's obviously a crazy she's (laughs) she's um it's pretty scary and uh so just release society president and then after that just uh, the traditional all the all the unique members that we all know like the um of course the stake president and uh, the home teacher and um a couple of the most disturbing ones are I don't know if I would mention them right now, but yeah, there's specifically like two scenes that are probably the, the hardest um, scenes to watch in a way, and they're they're based by teachings that the church um, taught back yeah. then. Of they said, you know, they officially changed their position right. on on these two particular things, but they're very disturbing um, to think about and. Um, to watch and I I really I had a hard time almost I almost t- t- changed them a bit or even took them out but then as as I re- as I had my brother read um the kind of a warning I uh, uh kind of a trigger some a lot of these things could be triggering and I yeah. and I almost took some out and changed them but I as I said had my brother's say in in my the notes from the filmmaker I felt like it if i was were to take out some of these scenes it would it would uh just it would change it would make the church look bad. like it just i i feel it would um it, it just it didn't feel like it would be right it just felt like it, to, for myself and also i think i think it would make the church look better than yeah they should look yeah
0: well and and i didn't really feel it was even really not an overt attack on the church i felt it was a story of someone's reaction to it raised with all that stuff being thrown at you with a lot of us as a certain of a certain age were so to me it was Certainly some things maybe started out to be triggering, but then it turned out to be very cathartic. And you also, I felt I saw myself on screen in Ronald, how his reaction was like, what? What do you say? What? You know, I mean, I spent a lot of my teenage years going, what 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 kind of teaching is this? You know, So Ronald was kind of like in every person, and I, I just focused more on him and his reaction to the things that were being were being said. So in that way, I thought it was it was cathartic. So, but yeah, I can not, see how someone might have another reaction to it, not looking at that or not understanding that that was a reality for a lot of us.
1: Yeah. And it, I was trying to think of the word, was, it, it would if I took those out or change it, would, it would sanitize the church yes. and those harmful teachings. Yeah. And so that's why I left them there. And that some of it, it's, it is, it is tough, especially those specific two scenes where it's yeah. just well, some of the worst teachings that, yeah. that the church or anyone could ever teach.
0: Yeah, but then and then you also every when you'd put something like that in, then you'd kind of pull it back with humor, you know. So it wasn't just this, oh my gosh, descent into, you know, people were laughing. People were, you know, where I was sitting, there was laughter, there was, oh, you know, visible, oh my goodness, you know, as you recognize something, you know, that may have happened to you as a youth. And so there were all kinds of reaction, you know. And then there were times when it was just silent, you know, people were. Taking it in or reliving something, you know, and then I think there were moments, uh, like I said, where I just I kind of cheered up, kind of recognizing this young man and what he's going through, and then it has a, a, a triumphant end, which is awesome. And so in that case, you had people smiling and cheering. So it really did take you through this whole roller coaster of of what I think was a lot of our childhoods as we dealt with, you know, sexuality and the different things we had to go through in the church. Uh, of a more high control nature. So we,
2: we were talking, yeah. we were talking before you got on and uh, uh Brent mentioned that this is, although he'd seen it thousands of times as he put it together, this was the first time in front of an audience that uh, oh. he got to see it. So. Oh, uh, talk about talk that. Oh my goodness. I'd the, love to know. Yeah. The reaction that you had as the yeah. audience, you got to see the audience reacting to what you
1: put together. Yeah. And I, I was also telling Lennon that there was like, this is the first time seeing it with an audience, but it's also, it felt like kind of the first time I was watching because I've, you know, I've seen it so many times that I've grown so sick of it editing. It, and like, and every time I've seen it, I, Oh, I should change this, change this. So like, I haven't been able to enjoy it for a long time, but this is the first time I, well, okay. I, I just accept what it is, it is what it is. And I'm not going to change it now. So that was really the first time in a long time that I've been able to see it clearly. And just, um and be entertained by by again after seeing it hundreds of times and yeah super fun to see it with an audience and to get laughs and and gasps on on the parts where were, I was hoping
2: were there you know. surprises were there places you thought this will get a big laugh and it didn't and other places that you didn't think or did it pretty much go where where you were hoping
1: um one of the the places that I was I was surprised got more laughs than I was um expecting um (laughs) i don't know how i could say this without saying too much but there's a scene um there's a (laughs) there's a surreal scene where where ronald has some tubes in his mouth and someone is um kind of breastfeeding (laughs) with tubes from his mouth and it turns into um something kind of different um more of a nightmare version of that and i was kind of surprised that that but I am pleased that that got quite a bit of laughs.
0: Yeah, there was a reaction to that. I mean, this is Landon. It really is kind of a campy horror movie in a lot of ways. I mean, there are elements to it like that, where you're like, "Oh my goodness!" Kind of like spooky Mormon hell dream, right? In Book of yeah, Mormon yeah. musical, that's that's what I. If I had to describe it to somebody who you know had no idea, I'd say, "Think of that only on steroids and with more of a horror." element to it. And I, um there's a couple friends that were bringing, I should mention that this is being screened tomorrow. This is on the 26th, right? At Bruvies Theater in Salt Lake, another screening. So I'm going to be there again, and I'm going to bring some friends. And one of them is a post-Mormon, but she has a nuanced um husband. And so she was asking me, do you think my husband would like it? And I'm like, Hmm. You know, I wasn't, I'm not sure, you know, it really does depend on the person, how open-minded they are. So I tried to kind of describe it and I just, said it's kind of like a campy horror movie, but it has a lot of truth to it and it's cathartic. (laughs) And she said, I'll watch some previews and we'll see. So she may or may not bring her husband, but what what would you say to, if somebody asked you that question, you know, I'm a post-Mormon, my husband's nuanced, should we see it? I mean, what do you think?
1: Um, I, I hope I've, I've had several active, um, LDS members say that they, they th- thought it looked funny and they want to see it. I have, I haven't heard of any reviews of people that are active that I, I certainly know most of them wouldn't like it, but I think there's a decent amount that are open-minded and like weird yeah. stuff that yeah. would appreciate it. That's interesting that, you, you know, you talk about the horror, the campy horror aspect, and that's really what I was going for, especially like an eighties type. Yeah. Can't be horror. And that I, so I, when I wrote the script, you know, it's certainly, it's, you know, it's a comedy, but I told all, you know, my cinematographer and my actors, I want to shoot this more like a horror film. And I want this to look more like a horror film. Let's play it more straight than just like a traditional comedy. I don't, I didn't want this to be like a 90 minute Saturday Night Live skit or just funny, like silly. I want this to be, yeah, really, it's really inspired by some 80s horror. But it's certainly it's not horror. It's it's a dark comedy. Yeah, I call it dark, creepy comedy. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so
0: too. And I I think that you really accomplished that because the angles, you know, were very reminiscent, like you said, of, of some of that 80s horror. But, but you know, there's a lot of substance to it. Even though there's the the horror elements and the comedy elements, there's there's just a lot of real substance to the whole thing so yeah it's certainly not just a rompy saturday night live skit not at all but there are moments where you're laughing like i said it takes you on a journey you're laughing you're ah you're tearing up you know it's a whole you know it's a gamut i think
2: the the artwork for the for the posters and the and some of the stuff i've seen online is is very uh looks very horror you know 80 horror like who, who did those there? It's, it's very nice artwork. Uh, how how did you come up with that and what's the
1: story behind the artwork with that? Yeah. So um, I had a really good artist. I saw, so I, I originally um, wanted to, so I, I, I did a, I, I drew a just very rough um, version of of the poster, which is, it's a, it's a skeleton wearing a missionary suit and it has these, He's behind the TV and he and it has his hands up with he's handcuffed. And I wanted to do kind of like a creep show, um, 1980s horror vibe, I thought that'd be a funny, and so I sent it out. This there's this artist called Sadist Art Designs, and he does a lot of that type of style. And so I just sent my rough version of the sketch, and he did that. And uh, yeah, so I, I really love the poster that he did. Oh, and, and the tagline. I, The tagline too is of course on the posters the the creepy mormon exploitation comedy that no one ever asked for (laughs) is coming
0: no and i think it did its job because when i first saw a post about it you know I mean, what really drew me in was that poster. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is this? You know, because I try to curate all things in the Mormon landscape. You know, I I run like the Good Media Club and some other things where I kind of find things, and that right away drew me in. I said, what is this? You know, and, and even from the preview, I couldn't quite tell exactly. Yeah, we had some discussion. Yeah, let's it, let's look going, at it. There, there we you go. go. Yes,
2: there's a, there we. There's I mean, it's
0: so well done. Like you have to look and figure out what it is. You have yes. to look closer when you see that. And so. we
2: kept going back and forth going is this uh, should we what? go yes. to this we, oh we
0: gotta go and just so so, so do you have the merch title, then <laughs> that's a t-shirt do you have <laughs> merch
1: not yet not yet i just oh i just said uh, i have, you have need a couple to, shirts
0: i want a ronald mug i can see it now i mean whenever you get merch i'm getting one that
1: <laughs> awesome that, that's a good idea that is
0: awesome so i was going to ask a question at the premiere but everybody else was asking questions so i didn't have a chance but i was wondering what you think um the role of humor is in recovering from trauma like that. Because as I said, I had like any other LDS young woman had all kinds of, you know, inappropriate things done instead. And I internalized a lot of it. Uh, About a year ago, my son does stand up comedy. He said, Mom, will you open for me at this little restaurant, very small venue. And I said, Okay, I wonder what I could do. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to make a little comedy routine about some of the ronald-esque things that happened to me as a young woman you know inappropriate questions and leaders telling me things about you know how i'm growing or developing and so i did a little comedy routine about it and it really made me feel a lot better i mean i wasn't trying to make light of it i was just trying to process it so i wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you feel like the role of comedy like that can help maybe in trauma or or how you feel
1: yeah that's a super good question um Uh, I agree. I think that comedy can really help with that. And and I'm hoping that was my uh, objective. I really wanted, you know, especially to to watch these in in, in a room full of, you know, post-Mormons that we could laugh together. And I feel like when we laugh at these things, we feel like we have beat them. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah.
1: But I do understand that not everyone's ready to laugh at something. I mean, there are some of these are very serious things that are very disturbing that have happened and still happen. So not everyone's ready to laugh and it's not for everyone, but I think for some people it's, it is a healing process to laugh at those things.
2: Absolutely. You kind of have a limited audience with, you know, most of it being a post Mormons who would appreciate it. Did you, did you try to structure it? So it was open to a wider audience, people who weren't LDS might, Uh, See it and enjoy it, or do you think that they won't understand it? Is it really kind of to a specific audience?
1: No, it was was always just for the you know former Mormon audience, and luckily it just uh, didn't really cost much money at all to make. I just shot in my bedroom, so I don't have to try to uh, to market it to a big audience. So happy just to uh, market it towards former Mormons, but I, I think there's other people that have experienced. Religious trauma and other um, groups that are outside the LDS church that could enjoy it. But, uh, and, and also there's people that like weird cult type movies that yeah. I'm hoping could uh, enjoy it as well.
0: Yeah, I feel like it could, it has a niche and I feel like it could be a cult classic, like you say, and I feel like there's a lot of interest now. You see all kinds of documentaries on Netflix and everywhere else about, you know, the more obscure, you know, the, the FLDS or different things. I think people are becoming increasingly interested in how other people lived or were raised. So I, I can see it having a universal interest as sort of a niche cult classic. I can see it growing.
1: Yeah this this year it's been crazy how many uh you know post mormon ex mormon mm-hmm. type shows movies there are that, are, that yeah. have been marketed you know on Netflix and Hulu so it's yeah. really crazy that there's it's been pretty mainstream the last year Well so yeah,
2: if if I want to see it uh, since I'm not I, I'm I'm traveling internationally and I didn't get to go to it what are people's options to go and see the movie
1: uh so it's going to be premiere. It's or it's showing at Bruvies tomorrow it's two thirty in Salt Lake City, and then, and then on Thursday, next Thursday, March second, it will be shown in my hometown. Um, at seven thirty p.m. March second in San Diego, and then a week after that, I'm going to be doing two screenings at the Ida Wild Film Festival. That is, uh, it's a little town in Southern California, kind of near Palm Springs, out in the mountains, and there'll be two, uh, screenings up there around March 8th and 10th, I think. And then I'm um, after that, I'm going to decide I might, I think I definitely would like to do a St. George yes. showing, and I might come back up here yep. in the next two months. And I've also, I also thought of maybe going to Idaho, Arizona, other Mormon-centric places, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of interest. I mean, you were on Mormonism Live last week, and there were tons of viewers, tons of comments, so much interest. And I've been posting about it. I actually had somebody ask today on my uh, the Good Media Club site that said, hey, is it ever coming to St. George? And I said, I think it is, because didn't you talk about to Bill Real about maybe hosting when you come there? So yeah, I we, feel uh, like it's going to get traction. I really feel like it is. I think word of mouth is going to get out there, and I think that it's it's going to continue to
2: move along. So I think and eventually Thank you will be available for rent or. Yeah, know, eventually
1: I'm probably this summer and the next few months it will. I, after I decide what other theatrical runs I want to do. But yeah. It, eventually, certainly in a few months.
0: That is great. So do you feel like the, uh, the screening tomorrow maybe even probably bigger than the one on Thursday? I mean, there were, there were a lot of people there on Thursday, but I feel like maybe Salt Lake, maybe that's where more of your audience is. What do you think?
1: Um, I don't know. I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out. Um, we'll
0: see. And there's no snowstorm. Yeah. We have to say there was a giant snowstorm on the night of the premiere, <laughs> right? So we're, yeah, we're all struggling to get there, and but it was it was really worth it. So
1: yeah, I'm glad it wasn't the day before. That would have been awful. Oh. When it was. Uh,
0: yeah there were a lot of events canceled on that day so so that was not good so now that you've seen it um in its entirety like you said you're sick of it but now that you're watching it and you're seeing the audience reaction is there anything that you didn't put in that you wish that you would or i mean are you i'm guessing there are some scenes that went to the cutting room floor right or maybe not
1: yeah there was a couple um i had a originally i had a a love interest for ronald that that would have added um like thirteen minutes, okay. but I cut that out. It's already ninety minutes, and it just stuck in one room. Yeah, uh, it shouldn't go longer than ninety <laughs> minutes. Um There, yeah, there's originally I had a little bit different ending. That I wish I could have done. I mean, it's very similar, but an, an extra, an extra part of the ending. But it's, it's really hard logistically when there's no money. Like everyone is just it's just so fast, and but. um uh and then, yeah, and there's several things of dialogue that I took out. I, re- I think the first cut was like two hours and fifteen minutes, Oh so I, I, I cut it down by
0: had to cut it down cut
1: a lot, of, quite a bit of the dialogue that was repetitive. I thought,
0: yeah, no, I love the ending. The ending was very inspiring. It reminded me of a really inspiring '80s movie. You know what I mean? Where it seems like always in the 80s movie, there's like, all right, fine, that's it. I'm just, you know, and they just kind of take off the to their new like, their Yeah, no, the, just like the, that. It was just like, a, over yeah. Their head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where they're just like, that's it. I'm, I'm casting off my own life, my old life and everybody that told me everything. And I am moving ahead. It seemed like that was always like in a John Hughes movie or something. That's always the ending, right? Somebody just finally had it and they move on that's why i said it was triumphant i felt in in, you'll have to see it landon we won't give it away but it was a very unusual triumphant scene but it worked (laughs) and it was great i was going yes you know it was good
1: yeah john hughes is another inspiration actually i I like that you brought that up john hughes and 80s or um actually i was going to tell you one of the scenes that are one of the parts that i went back and forth on cutting is just actually just one line of dialogue is i kept it in there I felt like the entire film, so I never, never try to be mean towards the LDS Church, and I never, I, I felt like there was never any. I what didn't I tried not to do any gotcha moments, like oh that like it's just too easy, and like so every moment is is something from Ronald's perspective. Yeah. So even like there's there's a couple scenes that are inspired, you know, from the temple, and even I'm not trying to be disrespectful, it's just from Ronald's perspective never trying to be mean but there's this one line in there the only line I I feel that kind of breaks that rule is when the father I feel like it's a gotcha moment that I kept in it's the father um tells is talking about Joseph Smith and he says um talking about the law of chastity so he says Joe Smith was <laughs> uh what what's the line he said Joseph Smith was um basically he said he he never broke the law of chastity, yeah. and he
0: was faithful and, to one woman. his yeah, he was faithful yeah. to one there wife. There were a lot of groans where I was yeah. sitting. People were like, "Oh
1: my goodness!"
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's just one wife, and he was never, never unfaithful to Emma, and he kept on the straight and narrow up, up until the day he died. Right. I felt like that was that was definitely a gotcha moment, but right. I took out sometimes. But I, I felt like, oh, that's that's still, and also at that particular line or that particular scene, it adds a little bit of a levity that. That's a really intense scene. I, I felt like that adds a little levity. Yeah, no, plus. that
0: was the father. It almost seemed like the guests that came in, it just kind of got progressively more intense a little bit, you know? So when the father finally showed up to try to give him the key and talk to him, that was definitely took more of a dark turn. You're right. And that was, ve- and then that's when you saw Ronald really just kind of internalize it and receding and just, you know, almost, Mental, you know he just really could hardly take it anymore when the father was talking to him so yeah that line definitely added and there were a lot of people around me going oh my goodness you know but that would that would have been the father's belief though i mean it wasn't even yeah. exaggerated and ronald would have been going wait i don't really you know his whole look the whole time is kind of like what I mean, like most of us were growing up right what is
1: happening what, to us so it's yeah, yeah. it's so interesting because yeah like in the 80s i always you know thought of emma smith i kind of taught uh, it, was, it yeah. is a traitor yeah she
0: was negative negative portrayal yeah. absolutely we but don't I think talk that about really her yeah that
1: really changed you know like probably mid-90s yes and now it's yep. completely reversed
0: yep no I, and that's what i mean it may be generational you know people who are 20 years younger than i am may watch this and go oh that you know what an interesting you know it's made up it's fiction Whereas somebody my age will go, no, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty accurate. in yeah. every single thing I was learned and taught. So I think it has a different, a different it's reaction. It's unfortunate. It. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we grew
2: up with that Marky e. Peterson, the Boyd yeah. K. Packard, Miracle of Forgiveness by Spencer yeah. W. Kimball. Those were the defining things yeah. that defined how you were to act as a youth and uh, it yeah. set that tone. And they're they're all now pretty much. dis. In fact, I think the church has disavowed all three of those, but yeah. that was that was our work growing up. That is yeah. what we were taught. That's what we were told to do. And now they've disavowed all of it. Is it sorry about that mistake? You don't get your youth back, you know?
0: No, well, know that's what's, the guilt we felt. You know, we felt the guilt over all those things. And now we're being told, oh, now we never really meant to say that. That wasn't what it meant. But we lived that guilt extremely.
1: Yeah. Landon, you know what's funny? You mentioned the miracle of forgiveness. It's uh, um, about two hours before the, the premiere, I, um, I'm staying at my brother's Danny's house and uh, I went to I had to write something down and so I went to a bookshelf I didn't look what book it was but I just went to write something down and I, I started writing on this book and I lift up the paper and I know this was the miracle of forgiveness <laughs> <laughs> like literally two hours before I'm I'm showing it and then of course I, I look I I read the you know the fun controversial parts and that and the, I just blown away like I mm. just some of the stuff that that says the, the, the so sad.
0: damaging. It's, That's really what I mean. it's it's just it's so just incredibly really damaging.
1: So, so and me. somebody
0: in the audience um during the QA raised their hand and said, I was actually in the audience at the Boyd K. Packer little factory talk.
1: Yeah, that was crazy. And
0: so then afterwards it turned out to be a person in our book club, the good book club. I did not know. His name is Kent. And so I talked to him a little bit about it. I said, So you were actually there. He said, Yeah, I was a youth. I was sitting there in that meeting. And I said, What did people think about that? I mean, did it raise any eyebrows? And he goes absolutely not. It was what we'd been told by every other source out there. And basically, the concept of the talk was just, you know, your body operates like a factory, you don't touch it or do anything, it's doing its own thing to interfere with the factory is interfering with God kind of It was just a ridiculous metaphor. But and then, as you said, it got much darker later in the talk, where they, you know, started saying all these things that would happen to you if you did. And but this man said, No, we didn't think anything about it, because it was right in line with everything else we were told every day, all the by our leaders and our teachers, and didn't raise an eyebrow whatsoever. And like you say, Landon, now that's pretty much all disavowed. They're saying we didn't really say that, or we didn't mean it, or you might have misunderstood it, yeah, which yeah. is the most frustrating Sorry of about all. That. I mean, <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: no, we didn't yeah, misunderstand. That's
1: the it. that's the worst. The, yeah, they say yo, you misunderstood, or we yeah. never taught that. Yeah, like I know. what they what what they uh, about us becoming gods? We never <laughs> taught that. That's the most mind blowing thing that they and they now say that.
0: Yeah, no, we're going to do a Mormonish episode on that. We're collecting all kinds of places where they did flat out say that. And, and you know, now we're being told we misunderstood it. But, you know, no, it was taught to us in classes. Jokes were made about it when I make my planet or, you know, when I populate my planet with my wives, the guys would say it was just certainly something that was, you know, that we all thought was going to happen. So
1: but even in the miracle of forgiveness, when I was just reading that, it's, it's that our entire purpose is... I can't remember the exact wording, but our entire purpose is to become uh, just as God. Yeah. Literally, and well, and, and, and you still do that
2: in the temple. So I don't know how they can say they yeah. don't teach that because you—that's what you covenant to become in the in the. I think temple. it's being
0: like God as opposed to being a God. I think that's kind of what they're hanging the hat, hat on. But it's a very yeah. fine distinction, and a lot of people misunderstand.
1: So. Yeah, we know what they said, though.
0: We know things are a change,
1: And you've documented it on film now. So there's uh,
0: no. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. I was going to say it's important for people of a certain age, you know, we're older than you are, obviously, Brent, but, you know, to say this is how it was and this was real. For someone like you to put it in a film and say this is what we were taught this was a reality because otherwise it just it gets lost down the memory hole you know i read something today that said in 20 years um children probably won't know anything about the book of mormon or joseph smith just the way they're sort of they had the person had mentioned this was just on social media that in the current liahona the church magazine this month there was no mention of joseph smith or the book of mormon it was all jesus 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 and they were saying i wonder if you know in the future they're just backing away from certain problematic things you know yeah. i i can see it
1: that's what i've been saying for probably 15 years that yeah it's it's either going to go down that which it seems like it's going down that road is yeah, yeah that just completely get rid of Joseph smith and yeah. that become much more mainstream christian or they'll become it could become the opposite or m- yeah. more like fl Scary. really fundamentalists that just yeah. yeah very scared that it's going the other way so maybe they'll be Flds like what
2: what what are the conversations in your household like i mean you you you've got a brother you know david who was you know a, a seminary uh, in and wanted to be institute and went all and learned it he's written a book a great book on a uh, documentary hypothesis and stuff yeah what 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 is the dynamic at the family conversations on that you said you still have some uh members that are in and some that are
1: out uh, that's really quite a uh,
2: large group there large spread
1: yeah i i think it's just kind of more um just don't like in, in front of the active LDS church members i just just not talk about it too much so um but yeah obviously around my brothers at the led we bring up stuff often and we all get along great and and i uh, get along with, great with my active members too we just, just don't bring up too much stuff yeah. about Keep it, keep it separate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Your grandma was at the premiere. Isn't yeah. Lady Landon? grandma was there. And she 92 her years old. Made, how, wow. how old is she? 92. 92. Yeah. She just made yeah. such a cute comment. You could tell she's just so proud of you. And it was just really cute to have a grandma at that premiere. I just think that's. Yeah, great. I
1: actually, so I was, I was staying at my grandma's house at the time. And actually, so I shot it at her house. It was, I was, it was in my bedroom. And she, so she had to put up with us filming there for seven days. And oh, it was just kind of a crazy. And it was just during the middle of the pandemic. So it was a pretty wild time. But yeah, she's amazing crazy. and super supportive.
0: Oh, that's so fun. That's just amazing. So let me see. I think I'll ask one last question and then we'll have you for sure. Tell everybody like what website, you know, where can they access the film? Where can they follow it? Where can they look at it so that, you know, keep up where it's going to be? So I think, and then maybe Landon, you have a last question. I think my last question would be, what do you, what do you just hope for audience members that people that see it, what do you hope it does for them or accomplishes or that they, they take away from it?
1: Well, I love that the paragraph that you talked about, I was, uh, which you, that you wrote, is and you, you mentioned a roller coaster. Uh, but the paragraph, what what did you say? You said, you said Ronald Factor, Ronald's little factories are funny, dark, disturbing, yeah. poignant, and triumphant, triumphant, yeah. it, it, all at once. And so I think um, that hopefully that's like my ideal is to have people go in there and to laugh, and to cringe, and to gasp, and be, and to uh, have a quick gut punch, but then to come out feeling um, hopefully liberated and not too traumatized is, but as I said, it's not, if you're not ready to laugh at some of those things, it's it's not ready, it's not, it's not for everyone, but the people that are, that's, I hope they feel liberated and can enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And and I found, I thought it was cathartic. And I also noticed that people in the audience afterwards were talking amongst themselves, you know, because it's almost like you go in there, you see something, it's a shared experience. You find out I had a shared experience in my youth, like the person next to me. So I uh, I was sitting next to Clint Martin, you know, and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we, we, for, because of the catalyst of the film, we were able to kind of just like laugh or, sort of commiserate with each other about the things that we'd gone through. So it was definitely a, a bonding experience. I felt with other people on the audience, you felt like you'd been through something and you had come from a common place and now you were watching this. So that's the part that I love. So I I absolutely agree with that. So Landa, do you have any final thoughts and then we'll let him tell us everywhere that we can possibly reach this. Cause we want people to see it. If they're ready.
2: <laughs> I, I, I guess the last question I'd have is, you know, it sounded almost like you you didn't really write this for an audience. It, it sounds like you said it was your story, almost like you wrote it for yourself. Um, uh, can you just, uh, what did you learn from it and, and, and how did it change it? And did you get out of it what you hoped to when you started it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I really, I did write it for myself, myself, but I guess that's really what I do um, really when I, anytime I write, but I hope that other people can enjoy it. And I, I think it because there's, I, Hope there's a lot of other people like me that enjoy that like this type of weird stuff. But yeah, I really didn't think as I was writing, I wasn't thinking about as an audience. Just thinking, what are the some of the doctrine things that most disturb me, and then trying to get inside Ronald's mindset in the late 1980s and what would he be thinking about um, as he has all these crazy members from the church. So I just really tried to get inside his mindset. And really, it almost felt like it wrote itself because just once I came up with the characters, I just felt like I knew exactly what they're going to say to Ronald and then what Ronald would say because I'm Ronald. So <laughs> what I would say to them, what I would do and then what the the wild things that they would say back to him.
0: So it's pretty autobiographical as a lot yeah. of I think those movies in the 80s were, you know, just kind of working out your stuff. So Oh, this is just great. So tell everybody um where they can see it tomorrow. Um, if there's a website, and we'll also include links in the show notes and um let's let's get the word out. This is worth thing. Oh, cool.
1: thanks. Um, yeah, so just go on Facebook and look up Ronald's Little Factory. You can follow the the Facebook page there and you can see the latest showings. And you can follow um, you can find the link to the screenings. You could also look up Eventbrite where you get the tickets. Um, look up Ronald's Little Factory on a bit bright, and that's where the tickets are being sold. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's main the main uh, page is on Facebook right now, Ronald's Little Factory. And okay. then yeah, then the San and then the San San Diego screening will be March second. Uh, it's a Thursday night, seven thirty, and that it will be hosted by Alicia Lee. Um, she does some really cool uh, ex Mormon, post Mormon TikToks. Okay,
0: okay.
1: and the screening tomorrow will be hosted. That is the one in Brewby's in Salt Lake City. That'll be hosted by my former missionary companion. So that is, will be a fun time. And he's <laughs> ele- a he's...
0: family affair. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That is fabulous. And then All the, right, the we'll... week
1: after the the San Diego one, that will be in Idlewild. That will be March 8th and 10th, I believe.
0: Okay. And then we're hoping it'll come back this way. Cause like I said, I've had yeah, some comments saying, please, please St. George. So, so we are going to air this episode like literally an hour after we're taping it. So we will be airing it today on Saturday. So everybody within the sound of my voice, <laughs> Broovies, tomorrow, if you're in the area, Salt Lake city. I'm going to be there. I mean, it sounds like there's going to be a big crowd. It's at two 30 in the afternoon. We'll put all the links and everything in the show notes, but you know, if you're looking for something to do on a Sunday afternoon, um, this is, this is it's just hard to describe you just have to come and see (laughs) i think that's all we can say so so thank you so much brent for talking to us and this is you know i feel like this is just kind of the beginning of i don't know just the notice for this film and where it's going to go don't you kind of feel like that landon i feel like it's
2: oh yeah i'm 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 ready to see it. I I'm yeah. excited to see it. I'm waiting for it to come back. So
0: Well, if you ever come back from Korea uh, in the bunker that you're in. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's right. Landon said he's going to miss it tomorrow, but I'm going to be able to go again. So all right everybody. Well, I guess we'll sign off for Mormonish. Uh, please like and subscribe and again, if you're in the area, let's get on over to Broovy's tomorrow. Seriously, this is going to be really really awesome. So thanks again, Brent. Bye thanks everybody for having me, guys. from Mormonish. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.